What you have to understand is you are not selecting somebody to invest in your company to make money. You are selecting somebody to help you build the company. You are selecting a partner. Hey there, welcome to the first episode of Supply Spink. Today, we're hearing from donors and investors, super important for this ecosystem. Our friend and CEO of Puma Podcast, Robbie Alampai, asked the questions that startups have always wanted to ask, questions that we want to know the answers to as well. So in this episode, we talk to funders. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Richard. Specifically, we spoke with Kevin Brockland of the Media Development Investment Fund, or MDIF, Shoei Fang of the Program for Independent Journalism of the Open Society Foundations, Sasha Vucinic of North Base Media, and Helle Wahlberg of IMS. So, first question to everyone. Can I just write one proposal and then blast it to all of you, BCCing all of you? Sure, you can. Uh, nothing will happen, but yes, you can do that. The whole point of approaching a funder is the assumption is that you understand why you're approaching that specific funder. Hello. I think the best way is, of course, always to do your research properly first. If you have a specific theme within your idea that, uh, say, it be gender or climate or climate change or something else, then it's always a good idea just to look at, you know, what what organizations are out there with the means to support that kind of thing who are aligned with your idea. Look at their websites, check what projects they've or programs they've already funded. But having said that, I think it's also important that organizations like like IMS and others uh, become better at cooperating and working together to support different media in a joint way rather than spreading the funds too thinly. Yes, but Shuei, will you actually find out if I take those 10 minutes more and personalize it? It will be addressed to you, but it's going to be the same letter. <laughs> I think that's very evident. To answer your question, quite frankly, we do talk, possibly not to the uh, level of detail of who's been emailing you that day, but it should be very evident from a standardized template that, that has been sent to everyone around town. But you know where this is going, right? How can we be friends? Goodness, uh, in the world before the apocalypse happened, we would travel quite a lot and meet people when we attend events like Beta and through Open Society's vast network of offices and locations. We've also done open calls for new grants, and we've also engaged new grantees when someone has sent an email. Hello. We set up programs in certain countries where we feel we can make a difference, where we start out by mapping the media environment and by looking at the different media in the country. And that's usually how we come across the most relevant and potential partners in that country. But should you not be on that list, you can always contact the people for IMS in the country that you're at, or you can write to our headquarters. Kevin, if you have no idea who I am, will you accept cold emails? I'm always happy if somebody cold emails me and just wants to initiate a conversation. The thing about the cold email is don't start off with the ask. A cold email works much better with me if it initiates with the information gathering aspect want to talk to you about what you're doing in the region, want to talk to you about what your investment thesis is, get some information, have a conversation. Sasha? 
Here would be my expectations. If you say, hi, we need a grant of 300,000, that tells me that the person did not do any research. Because Earth-Based Media, for which I work now, is a company that makes investments. So we are not in business of giving grants. But if you say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I work in this country, and we would like you to explore making an investment in our company, I will research the company if I didn't before, and I will, over time, respond. Helle, same. Everyone is always welcome to write, and we can also uh, start engagements in that way. But it's not usual that it starts that way. We build partnerships to achieve long-term goals that we identify together with media. And sometimes, of course, we have media that contact us directly, which we're also happy to engage in that way. But mostly we do rigorous work to find out the best partnerships that we can establish. How long should my proposal be? I'm more of a numbers person, so I like to get my hands on some sort of good amount of information. So tables, charts, graphs, all that kind of stuff. You figure funders are looking at a lot of different proposals. If you can make it concise, clear, and to the point, you've got a better chance, I think. My English, not really that good. I'm not that confident. It's not our first language. We were never colonized by the British Empire. Does my proposal have to be in English? I congratulate you on never being colonized by the British Empire. And thankfully, no, the proposal does not have to be in English. It does help to send an initial email in English. So if you can rally friends or peers to help with that, when you get to the proposal stage in the language of your choosing, provided it is the one that you're most comfortable in, is acceptable. So, Rashad, what is your first memory of Shuei? You've met her a few times. What was your first meeting like? I remember meeting Shuei at a, at a restaurant in Singapore, and I turned up there, and we were going to have this lunch that I was actually excited about, and Shuei turned up, ultimately, but one day late. This is not typical Shuei. Not typical at all. But every time we meet Shuei, I mean, we go away with an idea that we wish we had thought of first. That's just Shuei. She's a wonderful friend. And a really smart, smart person. I wish we had more time with her. Absolutely. What's a grant? Is a grant essentially free money? No, the grant is definitely not the free money. It is money that you receive in return for a specific activity. In most cases, just to continue what you are doing or to expand what you are doing and make it more impactful, more prominent, you know, more forceful, more useful for the others. Helle? From the point of perspective of, of IMS, we do, for example, have a safety fund that media can apply to or uh, individual journalists. None of this funding comes, you know, without specific outputs tied to it that you agree with the media organization in advance. We agree together on what the output should be and you need to, of course, document uh, what the money is spent on. Grants, loans, investment. What's the difference? So a grant is different to, say, an investment or a loan in that you don't have to pay it back and that no one owns anything that you produce or any assets that you own. However, the investment side of it still requires that there needs to be some return on capital to us or whichever investment fund you're referring to. 
And so if it's a loan, just like you would get from a bank, you have to pay it back plus an interest rate. There's variations of how that could work, but it's essentially principal plus an interest. On the equity side, that's a little bit more complicated because there's a lot more forms of that. But essentially, you're talking about having a partner with an ownership stake in the business. The thing to remember with, especially when you're talking about institutional investors, they need to exit at some point. So they're not partners for life. Now, this is a word we encounter a lot, core funding. And it's often in the context of we don't provide core funding or we do support core funding. What's core funding? It's also called general support in the US. It's also called organizational support, operational support. It means grant funding to cover your basic operations. So the salaries of your team, your rent and overheads, and not any specific project that you're embarking on. Now, a question specific to those who will consider investing in my company, who will take equity in my company. How do I even know how much my company is worth? Before I tell you how you should figure out that number, you know, people involved in media and journalists usually overstate the value of their companies for like at least 10 times. Now, about the specific number, you should go and find a friend who you trust, who is a banker, and ask that friend to very dispassionately value your company. I can guarantee you that your friend and the investor will have probably very similar numbers in mind. Tell him to or her to do the valuation, put it in the envelope, take that envelope somewhere where you're alone, open it and look at the number. You don't want to have anybody around you when you look at that number. Okay. But will he still be my friend after he tells me what I'm worth? Probably not. My group is, in fact, a company, and to be precise, my company is, in fact, for-profit. Does that disqualify me from approaching media funders for grants? It doesn't disqualify you from, from contacting IMS. We look favorably if media can show that they have means of, of revenue that produce profits. We don't, as such, provide core support in the Asia region for media. What we do usually support is to ensure that there is scope and room to produce good public interest journalism and that the strategies and the skills are in place to do this. Now, whether it's a grant, equity, or a loan, whatever, will I be giving up any of my editorial independence to you? Well, you negotiate that with your funder. You know, you tell me if we influence editorial independence of anybody, if we tell them that we want their product to be the best on the market, that sometimes means changing somewhat what you write about and how you write about it. And that is where the influence of editorial policy ends. We strive for you to have editorial control and we work really hard to not interfere at all with what you're saying. We really try and and step back away from any um, editorial interference, and that's why we prefer to give core funding and organizational funding. What about you, Kevin? We do not get involved in editorial, because as with most media companies, they're very strong on the content, less strong on the business side. And we feel that lend the most value is being able to help companies on the business side. Okay, what if I do everything I promised? I'm very fiscally responsible. I'm very transparent. You've audited that all the money went where I said it would. 
But at the end of the day, it just did not make money. I mean, sorry, thanks for the help, but just didn't work out. Is that it? It's impossible to generalize. Each case would need to be scrutinized. We've not been in that situation. So um, if there's a certain uh, criminality involved, that's a different matter. Life happens, and I think this would be something that we'd need to, to look at. It. In my experience, that is enough that you showed that you did your best. I mean, the, the last eight months will sort of tell you that the best laid plans have never gone to plan. What's the worst case scenario for me? Do I go to jail? Do you take my property? Well, you lose your reputation. And as we know, in media business, reputation is everything. If you lose your reputation, you might as well go and open a sausage restaurant. Or move to politics. Or move to politics. That's even better. You'll be promoted to (laughs) politics. But, you know, failure is absolutely acceptable outcome if you stick to your promises. And if you try everything that is possible together with the funder and say, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And if you really do your best and do not abuse or misuse funds, failure is totally fine. So here's the thing about Sasha. He used to run a rebel radio station in the erstwhile Yugoslavia. So he knows a little something about needing money for a media product that, let's just say, isn't wildly popular with the people in power. We last met him in Seoul, one of many places he's lived in the last four years. My organization is 100% male. Is there anything wrong with that? Will you take that against me? That's a tricky one to answer. I would say it depends. It depends on what your objectives are. I mean, if you're working in a seminary or I don't know if it's a, a monk media or, or something like that. I don't know what whatever circumstance would lead to an all-male organization. We do try and look for organizations that are a little bit more diverse and inclusive and fit with our values in, in that respect. And it's not just the gender thing. It's, you know, how much does the top person get paid compared to the bottom person? What is the sort of equity arrangements there and who makes the decisions and those sorts of things? Some of our funding sources do ask us those same questions. We do find that companies that are more gender balanced have high success rates, but we do not have any sort of hard rule at this point in time. But we certainly support gender balance. I got your contact from another group that you're already funding here in my country. To be honest, I could even consider that group my competitor. Does that mean I'm too late to approach you? No, no, that's perf- perfectly fine. Whenever we enter partnerships, we look at the entire media landscape in a country to ensure that we're not, you know, rocking the boat or creating um, uneven competitive environment. You need to understand what the funder wants to do in that country, and it should be very easy for you to understand if you fit in that picture. If you fit in that picture, then, you know, you should definitely apply. Are you in any way connected to the CIA or any Western entity that is out to destabilize my country's government? <laughs> no. Can I buy a car? You mean for yourself or 
part of your project? Well, in a way, it's both. I'll, I'll buy it in line with the project because we live in this village and all the other villages are two mountains away. I do need a car and I hope you don't mind if every morning on the way to work, I drop off my kids at school. Is that reasonable? Can I buy a car? Well, of course, and the kids need to be dropped off. And I completely understand that. It depends if it basically helps your mission. And it is sort of a sensible purchase. It was a few years ago that we gave a grant to an outfit. It was another audio organization. And cars make great recording studios if you don't have a recording studio, apparently. So they purchased a car and, and they recorded a lot of their audio content inside the car. Hello. Well, again, it's a good point and something that IMS would certainly listen to, but it needs to be uh, as part of the agreement in the contract. No purchases can be made without prior agreement. And something like that, I think, would be a very natural thing to, to take into consideration when you're setting up a contract with a media, with a journalist. Can I pay for plane tickets? It would have to be agreed in advance. And if it's not possible to fly and money has been allocated for plane tickets under the contract, then the easiest thing is for IMS and you to discuss how can this money be reallocated and still make sense. It depends. Plane tickets to travel to do your work? Yes. Plane tickets to go on holiday? No. To attend conferences? Oh, absolutely. We do, at least at Open Society, is to encourage our grantees to travel and attend conferences. But I wouldn't advise it right now. Yes, but when it is advisable, can I fly business class? I don't fly business class. Our company has the policy against it. Okay, so that's a maybe. No, <laughs> that's a no. <laughs> okay, I'm the publisher. I'm the editor. I've been running this for five years out of my pocket. I'm asking for a grant because... I need to pay myself. Can I pay myself? As long as you disclose everything to the funder, can you pay yourself and just yourself? I would personally find it not appropriate. Can your whole budget for salaries be subsidized by the grant? I think that that is very appropriate. Happens very often. Can I pay for meals? What's the use case and how does it advance the business? Okay, use case. I will try to argue this one. I cannot pay my staff regular salary. In fact, I'm not even regularizing everyone. But the most I can give them by way of benefits is to say, look, your lunch is on me every day. And in lieu of salaries, that actually ends up with me saving, say, 30% of what would otherwise have translated into salary. I become a much more sustainable organization given the context and realities of my region in my country. And the people who help me, they're happier as well. I think you just made a pretty reasonable use case. Your employees are happy and fed and are able to work. But there is an aspect to ensure that whatever wages that you're paying them still comply with the legal requirements. It can't be a substitute in order to comply with whatever minimum wage standards are. But in order to but to say that as a fringe benefit for general staff that has a cost savings relative to raises, there are countries in which employees get a meal as a part of you know, their employment package. So therefore, that's legitimate part of your salary. Okay, I live in London. Can I pay for lunch in London? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what exactly does technical assistance mean? And how should I receive it if somebody tells me, I can't give you money, but I can offer you technical assistance? 
technical assistance is funding for training, for workshops, for consultancy help. It's something that we pay directly to the people who provide the, the training services and, and support services. Mm, I see. So, so it's like free consultancy. I have to say the technical assistance has meaning only once your company is stable. Once you have enough money to run the operations and then you can think about improving it. Offering somebody technical assistance while they are drowning under debt and they are not sure that they can survive another 90 days is actually really not useful at all. Yeah, you see, when I hear somebody offering us technical assistance, it sort of sounds like I love you, but only as a friend. <laughs> Maybe you can put it as uh, we, should, we should date before we get married. Okay, we call you funders, right? We obviously see dollar signs every time we look at you. Even better, we see euros or maybe even sterling pounds. But what's the most constructive way for us to look at you other than seeing money? Gosh, um, this is going to sound slightly cheesy, but a good friend in a crisis. So someone who can offer support, connections, and hear your ideas and, and sound them out a little bit with you. We like to be seen as a source of capacity for the organization. We engage with, it's really knowledge sharing, it's skills building, together with funding for a good initiative by the organization, for example, developing their business models, becoming a membership organization, innovative ideas of, of reaching new audiences or starting up new platforms. At the same time, a lot of media, specifically also in the Asia region, but also elsewhere, get access to what media and media startups are doing in other countries in the region and even globally because we really look to try and build networks to try and share practices so that everyone can benefit from the knowledge that is out there. We see the partnership as a type of package where uh, IMS and the media work together. Okay, thank you everyone. More questions coming your way, I suspect, at Splice Beta. Back to you, Alan and Rishad. Robbie also works with IMS, our wonderful friends who support Splice Beta and media startups all over the world. IMS is not only a funder, they also provide capacity building and advocacy for media groups. That's it for this week's episode of Splice Pink. I wish I'd learned a little more of that when we were starting out, Alan. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of knowledge in there. And follow us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And join us again next week when we talk about sustaining your business in the time of COVID. Splice Pink is created by Splice Media in partnership with Puma Podcast. This episode was produced by Diosa Quinones and edited by Nico Bolante with interviews by Ravi Alampai. Once again, I'm Rashad Patel. I'm Alan Soon. Thank you for listening. <laughs>